We welcome the spirits. I have absolute trust in the strength of my story. I have absolute trust in the strength of my voice. My name is Betty Rooted Lionheart, and this podcast is called Dear Medicine, A Shamanic Healer's Journey of Self-Love for Earth Healing. So I wanted to start this episode by sharing with y'all that this year, 2023, um, my tarot card for the year that kind of encapsulates what this year is about for me, um, and I worked with the Mother Peace deck for this, and there's a way um, that you calculate this with your birth date and year and not something I can call up for you in this moment. My tarot card for this year is the hanged one. Um, And it's an image of a person hanging upside down from a tree branch um, held in place by a snake wrapped around the person's leg and around the tree branch. That card is very much about things that one has held to be true, believed to be true, was taught was true. All of those things, or a lot of those things, being turned upside down, turned on its head. And that is very much what this year so far has been like for me. So I'm going to um, touch into what I shared in last in the last podcast, um, the healing of that giant penis self-judge, self-hater part of myself. One thing that I forgot to make super clear and that I do want to make clear is that I had believed my whole life that my truth was that I did not want to have kids, that I shouldn't have had kids, that I knew better than to have kids. And once the part of myself that actually, the part of myself that believed that or that brought that into my life, once that part was healed, I discovered that my own, my own core truth is actually that I did want to have children, that my female body wanted to have children, wanted to be pregnant and give birth and bring life onto the planet, and that my journey required it. Um, And then another aspect, right, of having my life turned on its head in 2023 is coming to the point where I have shed the living of life from a place of fear and have stepped into the living of my life from a place of inner power and voice. So one thing that I wanted to talk to y'all about today is that when a soul part is retrieved and returned to us, like I shared about last time in receiving back and, and birthing that lost soul part, Erjebeth Elet, 
um, the part that has now made it possible for me to live my life from a place of power and voice. It is magical when a shamanic healer retrieves a soul part for you, but that's not the end of the story. It's actually just the beginning of the story. There is work for you to do. There's work for me to do in receiving Erjebet Elet back uh, to incorporate that soul part. And I like to use the metaphor of receiving a soul part back being similar to taking a young child in the middle of a school year out of the school that they're in and dropping them into an entirely new school, new classroom in the middle of the year. Um, I like this metaphor because that happened to me a lot in elementary school, so I resonate with it. That young child who has just had that abrupt shift in their world needs the help of the teacher, needs the help of the other students in their new class to make them feel welcome and at home and comfortable and loved. And that is the work that is required of the person who has received a soul part back. If that work isn't done, then that soul part, just like the child in the classroom, will feel alone, rejected, abandoned, scared, um, unwanted, all of those negative things, and might not want to stay. So when you get a soul part back, there's work for you to do to incorporate it, make it want to stay with you. My work with this particular soul part um, is actually the, the um, most intense incorporation work I've been asked for because it it requires a long time. So I have a piece of ibis jasper that a friend gifted to me and for a year from the day that soul part was returned to me um, I need to hold that ibis jasper when I'm falling asleep. And one of the things, one of the energies of Ibis Jasper is um, helping things come back together, helping things rejoin each other. Um, that's not very typical. It's not a very typical homework or soul work assignment when you have a soul part returned to you. It's usually something much of a much shorter duration um, Particularly, I would say, for people who are new to it, but um, I'm not new to it, and this is uh, such an important soul part for me that that year-long requirement um, makes sense, and I'm not having any problem doing it. Um, so then, to get into what I wanted to share in this week's episode, I'm going to have a sip of my tea. What I want to talk about is some of my very earliest, earliest journeys. And I'm going to sort of segue to that by way of sharing about something that I felt was absolutely amazing that just happened uh, on May 13th of this year. 
uh, May 13th was the day that the first full-on whaling circle was held at Braided Rootwaters Healing Sanctuary, facilitated by myself and a close friend who is also a healer, but of a different kind. Um, when she and I and three of our five participants had gathered in the medicine wheel at Braided Root Waters, and we were just sitting um, mostly in uh, kind of meditative, eyes closed ways, um, waiting for the other participants, I started hearing, I think we all started hearing, a sound. For me, it was behind me. And then it got louder and more distinct, and it was a buzzing sound. And I finally turned around to look at what this sound was, and there was a swarm of honeybees headed our way, headed straight for the medicine wheel. And I definitely had an oh shit moment, like what if there's someone here who's deathly allergic to honeybee stings and these bees swarm straight into us. Um, but it was just a moment and then I went straight to trust and just trusting, trusting it and watched them in amazement. I think I even said aloud, oh my goddess, there's a swarm of honeybees coming straight for us. Um, and so if it wasn't already in the awareness of others, it, it certainly was at that point. And we just watched in amazement as this swarm of honeybees came um, not quite to where we were, but just skirted the center of the medicine wheel. And then and they had come from the north, they skirted the northeast of the medicine wheel and then sort of flew out of the medicine to the southeast and continued along their way. And it felt like such a blessing, such sweet justification um, is, is really, oh, maybe justification isn't quite the word, sweet, um, Hmm, the word's not coming to me, but like sweet, um, yes, I am supposed to be right here right now doing this thing, this whaling circle. Um, and I had recently, Honeybee is, is actually the very first spirit guide that I found for myself in one of my own journeys, and I'm going to share that in a moment. Um, but I had only recently begun working with a particular medicine of honeybee, which is um, that I am manifesting sweetness and nourishment for myself and others in community. Which is what I think the Wailing Circle is. Um, and I just want to share quickly what the Wailing Circle is about. The Wailing Circle for me is very much about reclaiming ancient rituals that, an ancient ritual that we have lost that has been taken from us by the patriarchy. Um, ancient ways of in community, most likely usually around a fire, we're definitely doing this around a fire. Um, coming together as a community to process trauma, 
sadness, grief, you name it, to process it um, through our bodies, through our movements, through our sounds, through our connection with the fire, through our connection with each other, and in ways that we no longer commonly do, but is what our ancestors did. Um, and I'm just really excited about the potential of this whaling circle. And the first one was, at least for me, quite amazing. So I am going to jump right into, if I can find it here in my notes, my, um, my journey in which I met Honeybee. And it was, was not my first journey. And the first journey I ever did, and this was in January of 2016, I didn't actually meet any spirit guide, um, but I did explore my tunnel leading to my lower world cave and began to explore the cave and ways of exiting the cave into the spirit world. Um, and I should explain that I did already have a, a mother elephant spirit guide and I did already have a chipmunk spirit guide who, um, who I had began to be in touch with in ways that weren't quite shamanic. Um, and Elephant came in, I'm remembering, maybe, maybe I'll share this in the next podcast because I don't have it right here with me. Elephant came in strongly uh, when I finished reading a Jody Picot book that um, Elephant was a main character in. I don't remember the name of the book right now. And at the end of the book, there was some information about the peril that elephants are in on the planet at this time, except at this time will have been several years ago now. Um, and I finished listening to it on the couch in the trailer that we lived in on the land um, initially and holding my youngest son, Oliver, he was asleep on me. Um, and I just experienced this really needed um, deep weeping weeping for elephants. Um, and then I wrote a poem about that experience and, and this is when elephant came into my life. So for this journey in which I met honeybee, I grounded, centered, and shielded. And um, in the second journey, I boldly entered the burrow that led to my tunnel to my lower world cave. Uh, I had entered it very timidly and uncertainly in my first journey. Um, I traveled through, uh, down this, the four spirals that go downward and then the tunnel sort of straightens out and there's a part of the tunnel that has water in it that I need to swim through. And once I went through that water and came up out of it, into the last part of the tunnel, I was a, a young girl. I was not my current age. 
or the age at that time, I was a young girl wearing a white dress and with long hair. Um, I entered the cave. I asked for Mother Elephant and Chipmunk to be with me. Oh, and I also already had an owl that was shamanically retrieved for me by my teacher, Becky Shining Bearheart. And she had given me owl as an ally for trust. And especially in my earliest journeys, owl would ride on one of my shoulders as a reminder to trust. So they came and they were with me and I felt sort of tugged to a light that I saw to the left in my cave. And we all went that way together and came into a, a room off of my main cave that was full of crystals and reds, oranges, and yellows. And there was a fire in the center. And I asked for the what I call the crystal room. I asked for it to be bigger because it was kind of small and there's an elephant in there. <laughs> I asked for it to be bigger so that we could all fit. And so it, it did, it grew bigger. And I stared into the small candle of a fire at the center of that room and began to speak a mantra that my teacher had shared with me. And when I said the words, let the light guide my path, a path became evident leading out of the crystal room down a crystal corridor. So myself and my spirit guides, we all went down this crystal corridor. And as I was walking in this crystal corridor, I felt myself grow to the age I was at that time. I felt myself grow from a young girl into a mother. And I also felt very strongly the presence of my children, my two boys. And for a moment, I felt them as a burden, as a weight. Um, I think as, as that burden and that weight that I've already shared with you, I felt for quite a long time, having brought two children onto an ailing planet. Um, but I made a choice in that moment, in this journey, to remove the presence of my children as a weight on my back and to put their presence into a necklace that I was actually physically wearing, um, a beautiful uh, round pendant uh, made for me by my Hungarian cousins who they actually have a wonderful jewelry business called Lemuri Art um, in which they make jewelry working with the energetics of the stones. And they had made this pendant for me. It has two colored stones, um, one green, one yellow, and the two different colors represent my sons. So I was wearing this. And in that journey, I put their energy into that necklace. And that felt really quite incredibly significant to me. Um, and so then, we continued down this crystal tunnel and we came out into an open field and in in the distance there was a large kind of spreading tree. I didn't know what kind of tree it was. I didn't let that bother me. I went up to it and I asked it if it was my ally. That that was the instruction to ask whatever beings you encounter in this journey uh, if they're your ally. 
And so I asked and I didn't get an answer. So I decided to sit under the tree and sort of be meditative. Owl's sitting on my shoulder. Um, the chipmunk is, is somewhere around and the elephant was next to me off, off to my side. Um, I became aware of the drum beat uh, that my teacher was drumming while we journeyed. And to the drum beat, um, ants came and they crawled out of the tree. I was sitting cross-legged. I had that white dress on stretched over my knees and so it made a perfect um, flat-ish surface. And the ants crawled up onto my lap, onto that sort of stage of the white dress, and they spiraled in and out, around and round in my lap. And I asked them if they were my ally, and I got no answer. The next thing that happened was a honeybee came and it landed on my nose. And it just sat there for a bit, and I, I still have this sort of this image of me, you know, crossing my eyes to look at my nose to look at the bee that is sitting on my nose. Um, I asked the honeybee if it was my ally, and again, I got no answer. And then the honeybee got off my nose and it got onto my tongue. And she did something with her butt, and then she gave me um, a pollen uh, sack off of her leg. And then she flew away. And then the owl flew off too, and I kind of thought, oh, the owl is like chasing down the honeybee and it's gonna bite it and kill it. And I hoped that wasn't what was happening, um, but it wasn't. The, um, the owl had caught a mouse and it landed with the mouse and began to eat it. And I understood that there was a message in this, which was that I needed to digest I needed to digest this experience and trust before I could know any answers as to who might be an ally. So, okay, I can, I can do that. I can digest and trust. So I decided to pay attention to the pollen that the honeybee had put on my tongue. And I realized then what she had done with her butt was she had pooped some of her very fertile poop onto my tongue. Um, bee poop is actually incredibly fertile and the areas, uh, sort of the fly-in zone to beehives where bees typically poop, um, get a ton of fertility. So I had bee pollen and very fertile bee poop on my tongue. And at this point I felt complete with this journey and so I just kind of sat there until the drum beat sped up. So um, the, the callback signal is that the person who's drumming, which is just a very steady, kind of slow beat throughout the journey, um, the drum beat speeds up. And that is when you know, okay, it's time to retrace my steps, go back the way I came, end my journey, and return this part of my spirit into my body. So when that callback faster drum beat started, um, I bowed to all who had helped me. I bowed to my spirit guides. I went back into my cave through the crystal corridor and the crystal room. Um, I left my allies there in my cave 
and I scurried back through my tunnel and spiraled up and um, back into myself. And so then we spent some time journaling what had happened and then we went around the room and shared what had happened for each of us. And I shared my experience in that uh, I, didn't, I didn't seem to have found a spirit guide for myself. But my teacher then said, well, she reminded me that part of her instructions were that a spirit guide might interact with you in three different ways. And so the, the landing on my nose, the landing on my tongue, the pooping on my tongue, the giving me of the pollen sack, these were a number of interactions that I'd had with, with the bee. So she was just suggesting, well, maybe that's a spirit guide for you. And so I just kind of decided, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> I will, I'm gonna decide that this honeybee is a spirit guide for me. So that is how Honeybee came into my life um, in January of 2016. And I also want to share the very first upper world journey that I had in the same workshop um, the following day. So the Honeybee journey was a lower world journey um, we learned about the lower world the first day of the workshop, and in the second day of the workshop, we learned about and began to journey to the upper world. So, um, this journey was, the upper world journey was very powerful and very significant, um, in contrast to the honeybee journey, which was kind, I mean, it was, it was interesting, but it was kind of um, not particularly powerful or anything, I would say. Um, but my first upper world journey was powerful. So um, my intention for this upper world journey was to meet an upper world teacher who can help me with gracefully stretching and growing into my true self. And it is really interesting to look back at this about seven and a half years later um, to see just how true it is that Grandmother Moon has helped me gracefully stretch and grow into my true self. Thank you, Grandmother Moon. So I grounded, centered, and shielded. I crawled past the burrow, the burrow that I would go into for my lower world journeys, then through a thicket and climbed and crawled up onto the hill overlooking the wetland. And um, I should just share that this place that I go to, I'm going to it in my imagination, but it is an actual physical location at Braided Root Waters where I have my, uh, my personal sacred land altar where there is an actual animal burrow that I imagine crawling into when I go lower world in my journeys. And there is this thicket of honeysuckle bushes that if I was physically actually doing this, I would have to crawl under and through to go up the hill that overlooks the wetland valley. Um, 
So I'm up on top of this hill and there's a, there was in this um, beginning of this journey a fire near the edge of the hill and I called my allies one by one, um, elephant, chipmunk, owl, and now honeybee. Oh, and also lioness. Uh, lioness had been um, retrieved for me in partnered journeys the day before. So a partnered journey is when you journey on someone else's behalf. And so a woman had found a lioness ally. So I now have five allies that are with me, spirit guides. Um, we sat in our usual formation around the fire and honeybee gave me two more pollen sacks and some more fertile poops. And honeybee has been putting these on top of my head. And I had some sage in my hand in this journey and I put the sage on the fire and it smoked and I was directed to dance around the fire until I became small enough for my owl to grab me by both my upper arms and to fly me up and honeybee was on my head. Owl lifted off and we soared to the east over the wetland and then spiraled up and up and up. And I just knew that we were headed to land on the moon. Um, and though the, the travel, the flying, it was a bit indistinct, we nonetheless traveled and flew all the way to the moon. We landed on the moon, uh, Owl put me down in a crater and the crater was incredibly vast. And I realized that I was still very small and I needed to dance around this crater. And as I did that, I became bigger very quickly. So big in fact that I was, um, now dancing around a small crater, which was just large enough for me to sit cross-legged within it. And at that point, I was just kind of hit really hard by the knowledge that Grandmother Moon herself was my teacher. Um, and with that knowing came tears and came an incredible energy flow into into my head like I was feeling this not just in the journey I was feeling it in my physical body and physical reality and it was like that energy was pouring into my crown chakra and I had only had one prior experience with feeling energy flow into me like this so Grandmother Moon wasn't merely the celestial body on which I had landed so that my feet were on solid ground in the upper world. And I didn't, I didn't even have to ask her if she was my teacher. I knew what I needed to do was get down on my knees and say to her, Grandmother Moon, I am here to ask you to be my teacher. And I did that and the tears continued to flow and that energy flow in my body continued and I began feeling the energy in my hands and in my wrists. And Grandmother Moon's loving yet stern response to me was, you have to honor me properly. And I knew what that was about. That was about the years during which I knew I wanted to start honoring the moon, honoring the moon cycles, paying attention, being aware, 
marking full moons, new moons with some kind of small ritual and I hadn't done it. I hadn't done it and she knew I hadn't been doing it. You have to honor me properly. Um, so I realized that I, I had in this journey with me some offerings that I could give her. And let me, this is where I need to jump from some notes that I had typed, not for this podcast, but for teaching, um, to the more thorough notes in my journal. Um, so yes, I um, the I used sort of the rim of this crater where I am as an altar, and I put the pollen sacks and the honeybee poops on the altar as an offering, um, and then what happened was that. Again, I'm still feeling this incredible flow of energy. Um, and the energy that had traveled into my hands and arms that now traveled lower in my body, I felt uh, really strongly the energy in my pelvic floor. I felt, um, I felt my tear, my fistula area. Um, the you know, kind of the place where I was sewn up after I tore giving birth. I felt that area of my body really strongly. And while I was feeling that, I realized that this crater that I was sitting in had transformed into, basically into Grandmother Moon's vaginal opening. It was open wide and round as a birth canal might be when giving birth is happening and Grandmother Moon was inviting me to enter this vaginal canal, this portal into the unknown. Um, I felt aware of time and unsure that there would be enough time before the uh, callback, the faster drumming, um, enough time for me to thoroughly explore what was being opened up before me and offered. So I entered, but I entered slowly. And in order to move even more slowly, I began doing prostrations, you know, from standing down onto my knees, bowing, touching my forehead to the earth, standing back up, taking a step forward, dropping to my knees, touching my head to the earth, and so forth. Um, prostrations to grandmother moon to honor her, many of them. Um, and so that's, that's all that I did for the rest of that journey. Not, not for terribly long. Um, but then the drum beat did speed up and I was called back and had to retrace my steps um, off of the moon down to the hill uh, and then down the hill back to myself. Um, and I did, I always do give gratitude to the spirit guides who help me on my journeys. Um, and the owl flew me back down. 
and um, in the yeah as as that process of, of me returning the way I came happened in my actual physical body I was uh, I was laying down on my back for this journey on a couch I'm pretty sure in my teacher's living room and I felt really called in my body to put my hands together in prayer because there was so much energy flowing in them and to raise my legs up um, so that I felt I was bowing in my physical body even though I'm on my back <laughs> on a couch. Um, and that, that was my most powerful journey um, to that point. And of course, it's only the second day of my life that I've journeyed, um, but it felt, it felt very, very powerful. Um, and the second upper world journey I'm gonna share as well, and then I will wrap this up. I am gonna grab a sip of my tea. When we meet new spirit guides, one of the things that my teacher likes to have us do is to do a journey to ask that new spirit guide how we can honor them, um, how we can give gratitude to them, how we can be in relationship with them so that they know we value them and so that they want to continue bringing value and guidance into our lives. So the second upper world journey, my intention was to visit Grandma Mother Moon and ask her how I am to honor her properly, right? You have to honor me properly. Okay, so please tell me how. I grounded, centered, and shielded, and I crawled through the thicket, um, up the hill, to the hilltop, to that fire, I sat and called on my spirit guides and they came and again I had sage in my hand and I realized that this time I needed to bring the sage with me as an offering to Grandmother Moon and I danced and became smaller and Owl grabbed me and picked me up and we flew. We flew to the moon. Honeybee is with me. They're all with me. And as we're flying to the moon, I looked down and saw the earth from a distance. And then we landed at the same crater, which again was very large until I danced and quickly became big. And I knew um, that this time, rather than sitting cross-legged in this crater, I needed to kneel and bow. And, um, Honeybee in my journeys had been giving me gifts of bee pollen and her fertile poop. In this journey, that hadn't happened. I hadn't given her a chance to give me those offerings that she would usually put on the top of my head. So that thought came to mind, and so I put out my hand and asked Honeybee to give me those gifts. And I also had the, the sage in my hand, and so I placed the sage and the pollen and the honeybee poop on the, the altar of the crater's edge. And I said to Grandmother Moon, I brought you an offering of sage and honeybee. 
has brought you her pollen and her wonderfully fertile poop. And I guess Owl has brought me as an offering that you might decide to give me the gift of your wisdom and guidance. So I myself felt like I was an offering at Grandmother Moon's altar. I knew I needed to burn the sage and then put the bee pollen and poop on my tongue. So I put the sage in my left hand and crumbled it and it somehow just lit and was a flame. And I, I paid attention to the pollen on my tongue and got the message that I was to eat bee pollen to fortify myself. And that I could also put bee pollen on, on the altar as an offering to Grandmother Moon. And this little yellow sack of bee pollen almost looks like a teeny tiny yellow moon an image of the moon. Um, so I also have this sage burning in my left palm and it felt like, it brought to mind a question of, am I being directed to burn Grandmother Moon's image as in a tattoo into my skin? And I had, I've never ever thought I would be someone who would ever get a tattoo. Um, so I, I had some real resistance to that thought, but also some intrigue. And I will share that I have since. My first tattoo um, does have Grandmother Moon's image on it. Um, and I have a um, full sleeve in process on my right arm. Um, the primary images on that are for wild cat spirit guides and giant white egret and chickadee. Um, and I also have a tattoo on my right thigh. So I went from being someone who was never ever gonna have a tattoo to someone who um, is uh, slightly addicted to getting <laughs> my spiritual tattoos. I do, I do love them and the getting of tattoos always marks something or lots of things of significance in my life. That was a little tangent. Um, so back to the journey. Um, so now, now the sage that was um, a bit of a flame and burning and smoking in my hand was now ashes in my hand, my left hand. And I knew that these ashes were somehow going to give me a visual image of Grandmother Moon. So I... I called aloud to Grandmother Moon my wish to see her, 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 her human-like form, her anthropomorphic form, which I had not seen yet. Um, and so what I did was blow the ashes out of my palm and they swirled in front of me and they swirled into uh, the image that comes to me as Grandmother Moon. Uh, an old woman, an old wrinkly face, um, no teeth, sunken gums, long, thin, grayish, whitish hair. She was wearing a black shawl over her kind of stooped and bent shoulders, a dark purple skirt, and she had very uh, solid, thick-toed bare feet that were firmly on the, the ground, the ground of the moon. And 
her her presence was very um, comforting and familiar somehow, um, almost as though she looked like, but but also nothing like my own grandmother, if that makes any sense. Um, I asked Grandmother Moon if there was any other way I was to honor her. And so already I knew that burning sage was a way to honor her and working with the bee pollen was a way to honor her. When I asked her that, she put her thumbs on my forehead and her the rest of her, her hand and fingers over my scalp. And when she did that, I felt a sexual tingling in my my yoni and my pelvic floor. Um, and I was told that, Grandmother Moon told me, that I could enjoy my body sexually more to honor her. And I looked up at her and she was smiling playfully, kind of slyly. And that wasn't exactly what I wanted to hear, I would say. Um, my relationship with sex at that point this is 2016 I gave birth in 2012 um, had a uh, unfixed birth physical birth trauma that I'm dealing with in my pelvic floor um, sex at that point is not something that I particularly craved or wanted or felt comfortable with. I was in a marriage. I was um, making myself have a certain amount of sex with my husband, even though I didn't particularly want it. It was what I thought I needed to do for the marriage and for the relationship. Um, and so uh, it wasn't, it wasn't really a very simple request. And of course I didn't I I did interpret that as meaning and enjoy my body sexually with my husband. I didn't in any way, shape, or form interpret that to mean that I could enjoy my bodily my body sexually by myself. <laughs> Which looking back at it from where I sit right now today, that would have been a much healthier, easier way to interpret that. Um but anyway, more about that maybe other times. Um, <clears throat> so I, I then asked if there was any last way for me to honor her. And, and yes, there was, and it was water. Um, and Grandmother Moon rules the element water. Um, obviously, she, she does that physically in terms of our planet as she pulls the tides. Um, but she also rules um, water in the way that I work with the directions and the elements and what the elements stand for. And, and water is about our emotions. Um, so, water. I put both of my hands outstretched up to Grandmother Moon and she was holding a pitcher of water that she poured into my hands, and I brought my hands to my own bowed head to wet my head, and then she poured the rest of the pitcher of water onto my head, and it was very much an anointing, or maybe even an initiation. 
And she said, I could anoint myself with water to honor her. And the way that I have come to do that is to dip a finger, usually my middle finger, into water and to draw a circle on my forehead and then to put a, uh, a cross, for lack of a better word, a plus sign through the circle. That's a better word. And that's the very simple um, medicine wheel symbol. Medicine wheel is an important part of my spirituality that I will explain another time. Um, so, but the water also um, kind of harkened back to sexual juiciness, bodily juiciness, and in general, fluidity. So Grandmother Moon smiled again, and the drum now sped up, and so I bowed and gave gratitude to Grandmother Moon. I had to very quickly dance and become small and be picked up by Owl and flown back to the hill and go back down the hill and back into myself. Um, and I will say that one actual physical result of these journeys to Grandmother Moon was a a shift, albeit temporary, um, in which so when when I was um, because of because of tearing and giving birth and being sewn up and scar tissue and my fistula, when I am sexually aroused, um, it feels like the blood is rushing into my pelvic floor and like smashes into a brick wall that is the scar tissue and it's um it's not horribly painful but it's uncomfortable it's a sensation that is uncomfortable and wasn't there before i had that birthing trauma um and i am someone who as much as i am able i carry out the instructions of my spirit guides so like <laughs> like a um like a good girl, I went home and I did have sex with my husband that night. And, um, and I didn't have that, that somewhat painful sensation um, in being sexually aroused. It did not feel like the blood was rushing into and smashing against a brick wall. Um, and that lasted... Um, it lasted for a little while. I don't honestly anymore remember how long, but it was very evident. It was very like, whoa, this spiritual journey that I just went on actually changed something in my physical body. That's crazy. Wow. Um, and, and it felt like validation, like, yes, this is real. Yes, that interaction with Grandmother Moon was real. I didn't just make that up. Um, and like I said, it was, it was temporary, uh, so that feeling did eventually come back. Um, so it was more about giving me, giving me that knowing of the truth of this work that I, that I really needed. I really did need some, um, some trust in it, some validation. And... I think that is, I think that is where I'm going to wrap it for today.
So, um, it is coming up for me to share that there is going to be a, there are going to be two more whaling circles at Braided Root Waters Healing Sanctuary this year. One is on August 5th, and the other is on November 4th, and my website is moonwiseearthwalks.org. M-O-O-N-W-I-S-E-E-A-R-T-H-W-A-L-K-S dot org. Um, my name is Betty Rooted Lionheart, and I have absolute trust in the strength of my story. I have absolute trust in the strength of my voice. be fed by our gratitude. <laughs>